Wow, it's a beautiful day, and the sunshine, and just in case you needed a little joy or laughter to get you going, I, I have this slide left over from, from last week, Mother's Day, um, and uh, or uh, want to share that with you. We, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about men at work, and then how that God is at work, but here we found this uh, caution, men at work, and then mothers work all the time. They don't need to put up signs, right? Moms, give yourself a hand out there. Yeah, we appreciate that. Well, as we jump back into the book of Habakkuk today, uh, I'm excited that there's a full text and, you know, um, makes me think back to uh, when I began my first church years ago, Back in 1976, uh, Jane and I had only been married about six or seven months at that time, and as we began, uh, we moved to a small town in southern Iowa, and uh, we hadn't even been there six months, and I was asked if I would speak at the baccalaureate service, uh, which is the religious service, kind of a little bit of a spiritual emphasis on the Sunday afternoon before high school graduation. I'm not sure if they still do baccalaureate services anymore, but, but back then it was, and they asked me to speak. And uh, man, I was, I was young, I was new in town, I was nervous, and uh, I was scared to death. I really was. I had no idea what I was to, to say, what I should say, what anybody wanted to hear. Uh, and I began to think and pray, Lord, what do I say? Um, wh what would anyone hear or what should anyone hear want to, to listen to me say? And uh, so as I began to think about that, I prepared some things. And that Sunday afternoon in the gymnasium of the high school, with a metal roof, all of a sudden, about 10 minutes into my talk, the thunderstorm started. And uh, there was thunder, there was lightning. More than that, the rain just came down in torrents. And on that metal roof, even with my outside voice, it, it, it was a losing battle. I didn't know what to do. I, they had a microphone. And I tried to pick up my volume a little bit, but you just couldn't hear. And, and nobody seemed to be offering me any help uh, uh, while saying, maybe you should sit down or just let's wait. And so I just kind of kept going and, and tried to be a little louder during the, the dull or the, the stoppage in the rain here and there. It was, it was just an unbelievable situation. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You're, you're speaking, and you're with an audience that may be less than friendly or interested, maybe even a little bit adversarial, and, and you just got to push through. Well, that's how I felt, and, and man, again, what do I say? Boy, talk about the fear of public speaking. Uh, actually, they say about 25% of people, maybe more, or, or have a fear of public speaking. And as we look into chapter 2 of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk didn't have that problem. 
He wasn't afraid at all of public speaking. In fact, he'd just gone face to face, you could say maybe toe to toe, with the Lord Jehovah. He had shared his lament on two fronts. First of all, he was concerned that God Jehovah had not been dealing with the sin of Judah. That bothered him. He felt like that God had broken his promise, the covenant that he had made with Israel to deal with their sin. But secondly, and in the beginning of chapter 2, we saw this last week, that when God did do something about the sin or told Habakkuk what he was going to do about Judah's sin, He was upset about that. He lamented about the fact that God was going to use the godless Babylonians, those who were known as proud and arrogant, ungodly people. And he was going to use those. He said there, those who were uh, less righteous than those he was dealing with. The Babylonians, less righteous than those, the nation of Judah, that they were going to deal with as it related to their sin. And now Habakkuk, as we begin chapter 2, is ready to listen to God. As David challenged us last week, he is uh, ready. He had positioned himself. That was David's third point positioned himself to listen to what God had to say to him, how to, he was going to respond to Habakkuk's lament. And he said in verse 1, he said this, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. Habakkuk was waiting for God, to listening. What was God going to say to him about that? And then he said, that's the first thing. And then he says, and what answer I am to give to this complaint? In other words, he wanted to know what God was going to say to him about his two laments. And then he wanted to know as well what he was supposed to tell Judah what he was supposed, what message he was to deliver to the Israelites. And so as he speaks, we pick up in chapter 2 and we find out what it was that God had to say to Habakkuk. What it was that Habakkuk was going to tell the nation of Israel, the southern tribes of Judah. So would you open your Bibles with me to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. And we just looked at verse 1. We're going to jump right into verses 2, 3, and 4. Habakkuk chapter 2. Follow with me as I read verses 2, 3, and 4. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In other words, he says, Okay, you, you take what I'm going to say and you write it down. You get your hammer and chisel and you get those stones and you chisel, chisel out this message. You put it down because, because I want to make sure that everybody gets it right. I want to make sure that nobody forgets what I had to say. In fact, I want to make sure that you write it down so that a runner 
can take that message and take it throughout Judah and deliver it to the people so that they can know exactly what it was that God said. So that's what he says. Then he goes on in verse 3. And he says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It's not going to be answered right away. That revelation that won't be known exactly immediately, they won't see it. But in appointed time, it speaks of the end and will not prove false. This is true. It's not a lie. God doesn't lie. And then he says here in verse 4, or the rest of verse 3, though it linger, wait for it. Be patient, Habakkuk. You wait because it will certainly come and will not delay. We're talking about the fulfillment of the message that God is about to deliver to Habakkuk that Habakkuk will then take to Judah. And then here's the message, or beginning of it. See the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not up right now. He's talking about the Babylonians. They're proud. They're arrogant. They're Puffed up. That's the enemy that God is using to judge Judah's sin. See, they're puffed up. And then he says this, but, but the righteous person will live by his faith. Or some translations would say faithfulness. Our NIV says faithfulness. I've chosen to go with the word faith here, though. It's really difficult to to find a significant difference, and we'll talk a little bit about this as we get into the text more this morning, but the difference between faith and faithfulness, and and as we're going to see, the words that are quoted in the New Testament use the word faith as opposed to faithfulness, but both are important. And so as we talk about this whole business, as we talk about getting from why to how, getting from why to how, we said that's, that's been our theme for the book of Habakkuk, for our study. How do we get from why at the beginning of Habakkuk, chapter 1, and into the book there to the very end, which we'll get to, the end of chapter 3, when it's like, wow, God. How do we get there? Well, if we're going to get there, it is important that you know that people who know God will live by faith. We've been talking about it as important that we as believers, we who know God, the righteous, and I'm going to come to that in a minute, will live by faith. We who know God must live by faith. It's critical that we get that. And so as we take a look, there are three references, as I just mentioned, to Habakkuk 2 verse 4 in the New Testament. And uh, as we take a look at those three references, the first two references that we find are about salvation. Eternal life comes by faith. The first one is found in Romans chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17. Verse 16, Romans 1, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? The gospel that Jesus died. In your place for your sins. He was buried and he rose again three days later, proving he was the Son of God, proving he would provide the forgiveness of sin that he said he would. So that's the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's faith. That's trust. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In other words, to everybody. Everybody. You're either Jew or Gentile. And, and that's what the gospel is about. Salvation to all who believe. And then verse 17. Here's our quote. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And here's, here's what we see. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. There it is. That's a reference from Habakkuk 2, verse 4, and Paul's quoting it in uh, Romans 1, 17. The righteous will live by faith. What's it connected to? It's connected to our salvation. It's connected to the righteousness of God. Let me look at one more verse here about salvation. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Paul says this, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, before the cross, before the Messiah went to the cross for us, salvation, faith was based on the law, obedience to the Old Testament law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified, is made right before God. Because why? Here it is again. Our quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous will live by faith. There it is. The righteous will live by faith. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the word justification. Justification. Now, I don't want you to be afraid. I got a couple of big theological words that we're going to talk about this morning. This one, justification, means to be declared righteous. God declares all who believe. We just saw that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, 16 and 17. The one who believes that Jesus went to the cross, the gospel, will be saved, will be forgiven, will be declared righteous, given a right standing before God, made right before God by what? By the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross. And when we believe by faith, we are saved, we are forgiven, we are declared to be righteous or right before God. That's what we're talking, the righteous person, the one who knows God by faith in Jesus Christ. And that comes, that righteousness comes by faith. And, and, of course, the contrast is the righteous will live by faith. But the beginning of verse 4 said that the enemy, that puffed up, proud enemy, will die in his wickedness. But the righteous will live by faith. And then the third reference to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4 in the New Testament is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through 38. Hebrews chapter 10 and here's verse 36. Uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, you need to persevere. We talked about perseverance a couple of weeks ago when we looked at James chapter 1. But to persevere so that when you have done the will of God. In other words, as those of us who have been declared righteous, those of us who are saved, 
We are to be doing the will of God. We persevere in doing the will of God, even in the middle of a coronavirus, right? You will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he, Jesus, who is coming, will come and will not delay. Jesus is coming back to take the church with him. And then verse 38. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. There it is, Habakkuk 2.4. My righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Now here, yes, there's an emphasis on salvation, but it's not justification side of salvation that we were declared righteous. It's the sanctification part of it. Sanctification. That word means to be set apart. And what we're talking about, there's two ways in which the word is used, sanctification is talked about. And, and one, first of all, is we're set apart. The idea is to be holy. One is a positional sanctification. We are giving a, our, our standing before God is changed from an enemy to a child of God. Positional sanctification. When we are saved, when we are declared righteous, when, when we are forgiven, we are positionally now no longer an enemy of God, but we are standing before God as his child. We are set apart as righteous, you could say. But the second way, and here's really what Hebrews is talking about, the second way that we see sanctification is progressive. Our progress of being more like Jesus in our daily living. The way we live our lives every day. When we get up in the morning, get out of bed, how do we act? What do we say? How do we think? What's our attitude? Uh, and, and that's the spiritual growth that takes place. It's, it's, it's obedience is really what we're talking about and how we grow more like Jesus as we obey him, as we do the will of God. So yes, there's an aspect of salvation justification. We're given a new standing, a righteous standing before God, set apart as a child of God, but then we're set apart to grow day by day to become more like Jesus. And that's what the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about in these verses. So when we look at our text this morning in chapter 2 and look at verse 4, the righteous will live by faith. We're talking about both justification and sanctification. It is critical that we understand, again, that people who know God live by faith. We must. Why is that so important? Well, first of all, living by faith is all about our salvation. We just said that. In fact, we, we read there in, in our text in, in, in Romans chapter 1 how that righteousness is by faith from first to last, from start to finish, from beginning to end. Our whole salvation, both our standing before God, our, our righteousness given to us by faith in Jesus Christ, as well as the way we live our lives, the way we become more like Jesus, it's all about 
faith. We sometimes just talk about faith as the act of believing the day, the moment we're saved. It's more than that. We're not just saved by faith, but we live by faith as well. It's critical that we understand that. So that when life is confusing and uh, life is, is uncertain, when we're experiencing hard and trying times that we can hold up, that we can persevere under the stress and pressure that comes. You won't have to live your life worried about or thinking about or believing or being convinced that there's some conspiracy behind the COVID-19 virus. Folks, there may be, I have no idea. I hear people talking about, yeah, but what about this? And and what about that? You know what? Whatever is going on, God knows all about it. He is sovereign and in control of everything. And when we live by faith, we trust God whether there's more to this whole virus than we think. It doesn't matter. God is sovereign. And we understand that. And when we live by faith, we don't have to be full of fear day in and day out, concerned that there's something happening that we don't know about. We can focus on God's purpose for us. You see, we were told there in Hebrews chapter 10 that that we are here to accomplish God's will. The virus doesn't change that. This whole business of, of, of just sitting back in our houses with our hands folded or going to work and not doing as much, can't go here, can't go there, stay at home and all the rest, doesn't mean that we can't accomplish God's will and God's purpose in our life. He saved us to do His will. He's got a job. He's got to work. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says he appointed us to to good works, not after we were saved. And we need to continue to do those. That takes dependence on God. That takes faith. That's living by faith. And that's the only way all of what's going on around us makes any sense. It is critical that we understand. Remember this definition that we've been using? Living by faith is a journey that you take without knowing what's around the next corner. Sounds a lot. I mean, that's what's happening. We don't know what's going to come tomorrow. We don't know what new announcements are going to be made. We don't know what's around that next corner. But we believe that no matter what is around that next corner, God will bring you through it and you will be better for it. Absolutely true. So what do we do? What now? What do we do with this truth that we are to live our life by faith because it's our salvation from beginning to end, from start to finish, and because that's the only way that we can continue on serving God, accomplishing His will, fulfilling His purpose, by faith, well, if we're going to get from why to wow, we must, just like Habakkuk, 
because that's what he, that's his journey in the book of Acts, getting from why to why. And if we're going to get there, we've got three things. Number one, we must believe what God says. Got to believe what God says. We just don't read it. We just don't hear it. We just don't hope, but we focus on the accomplishment. We're going to believe what God says. We take God at his word. Secondly, we wait for it. We persevere, just like Habakkuk was going to have to do. God says, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm about to tell you that. Now you wait for it. It will come. It might be a little bit of time, but it will happen. You wait for it. Don't quit. Don't give up. I don't know if you picked up on that video that we began our service with this morning, but uh, we don't run when times get tough. Habakkuk wasn't going to run from the difficult times. And then thirdly, so we believe, we wait, and thirdly, we live like you believe it. Right? We can say, okay, I believe what God says, and okay, I'm going to wait. But we need to, meantime, in that time of waiting, in that time of persevering, we live like we believe what God said. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We focus on accomplishing His purpose, His will for our life. We don't become self-focused. Can I, can I just say something? I, 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 wanna, I want to... Listen, folks, uh, this is such a difficult day because, hey, for two months now, I've been speaking to you on Sunday mornings. I, I, I rarely see any of you want you to know I love you and I care for you. And I want to say something this morning. I feel like that as a result of the pandemic and, and all that's been going on, the fear, the anger, the on edge that, that we're experiencing in our lives daily, that, that, that we've come to focus on ourselves more than we should we we tend to think about well what am I going to do and how is the next order coming down from our government going to affect me and what about my family and my health and my job and my income and the expenses and and my life what about this summer if this keeps what about my vacation and and we where I feel at times too much focused on us and what God's doing rather than what God is doing around us. And I think it's important that we live by faith because you know what? When we do that, our focus isn't on me, myself, and I. It's on God. It's on the God who is sovereignly in control of all that's going on and we focus on him, and we live by faith. I've got this verse for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. And this is what Paul said. And he died for all. Jesus died for all. That those who live, as we live our lives now, those who live should no longer live for themselves whether there's a virus or not when we're saved we always live no longer live for ourselves but for him 
who died for them and was raised again. And that's Paul talking about the need of us living, not for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised again. We live for Jesus. We've got a job to do on this earth during this time of the virus and all the craziness connected. We live for God. Habakkuk had to focus on that same thing. And chapter 2, there's so much in this chapter. And I chose just to zero in this morning on the righteous person, the one who knows God will live by faith. You know what? There's, there's five woes beginning in verse 6, and you could look every three verses. There's a woe. A woe is kind of like a taunt. It's, it's a condemning statement. And what God says is he's predicting that Babylon is going to be taken down. And he's going out to tell Judah that one of these days you're going to get victory over your enemy, Babylon. And you're going to come through. And, and, you know, even now, but God was saying the sin of Judah is still going to be dealt with. After Babylon did take over Judah, destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, they were in captivity. They were in exile for 70 years before they saw Babylon destroyed. Wow. What goes around comes around is what God was saying. There's some assurances in verse 14 that the glory of the Lord will one day fill the earth. Verse 20, that the Lord is in his holy temple. Be silent before him. But God is in charge. And I want to close by saying to you, be a lighthouse. Be a lighthouse. You may have wondered, what in the world is that up here on, uh, on our table? It's a lighthouse. I've had this in our home. I didn't even really understand. I, I obviously knew it was a lighthouse, but was was cleaning out some things the other day and found this. It was, I think, my grandparents. It's the Chatham, a likeness of the Chatham Lighthouse from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And these pictures, the first one that was built in 1808, there were two towers, two towers. And then later on in the early 1900s, they tore them down and they went to just one tower, 80 foot tall, a lighthouse to show a light, to give bearing to those who are in trouble, to those who are struggling, to those who may have been out in a ship and lost. And I want to say to you this morning that you and I who know Jesus Christ, just like this lighthouse, need to stand tall and let our faith shine. Living by faith is the only way that your light can shine. And how can you let it shine? Who's your one? Are you praying for? Are you pursuing that one? How about the hello neighbor? Are you out looking to get to know your neighbors, to to minister to them, show your faith, let your light shine? What about the sunshine dinner? By the way, we took in an offering of about $1,750, folks. Thank you. Praise God for that. Community group, what an opportunity to minister. Not it's, it's not about ourselves, it's about others. 
opportunities for us to let our light shine so that we can grow more like Jesus. And I want to say to you, be a lighthouse. Be a lighthouse. Stand tall and live out your faith for the world to see. Be a lighthouse. Father, thank you for Jesus. Oh God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for the righteousness that you have brought into our lives by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Father, thank you for allowing us to to grow. Thank you for making it possible for us to become more like Jesus in all that we do. Oh God, would you help us, God, to live out our faith. To walk by faith, not by what we see or how we feel, but to stand tall, to be a lighthouse for all to see our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name I pray. Amen.